Open your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Praise God. Hallelujah. Such an honor for me to stand before you and I have a little bit of a sense in me about how much and how intensely God cares about you. And uh, no matter where you are in your journey of life, uh, God's been there all the time. Anything that's bad that's happened to your life, He's not been behind that. There's the devil in the world. God and everything good and everything righteous, everything wonderful has an enemy. And uh, Jesus said in John 10, you're going to Mark 5, He said, you know the thief referring to Satan, to the devil, He says, He only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then Jesus, He, he preached a, a one sentence, He preached the gospel in one phrase. He said, but I have come. Aren't you thankful for God's, but I have come. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Have it till it overflows. Have it in abundance, the Amplified says. And uh, why the word might? We would all have it made, right, if he just said, I've come and you're going to have it. Well, because we must receive him. You got to know something about our Father, our God. He, he doesn't force. Nothing in Him that wants to force you or anyone to do anything. And, uh, you know, hell was not created for human beings. It was created, the Bible says, for the devil and for his angels. But unfortunately, when people side in with the devil, then they end up going there. But thank God Jesus did what we've been talking about this morning. He, he died on the cross. He didn't die because he was guilty. He died as an innocent man uh, with my guilt, Brianna's guilt, all of our guilt in mind. And uh, to appropriate that salvation, you have to make that sacrifice your own. And it's not free. You, it, it'll cost you your life. A lot of preachers won't tell you that. To receive Jesus and your salvation, yes, it's free. But what he wants in return is your life. He wants you to love him. He wants you to get to know Him. And there's something wonderful that God has for your life to fulfill. And He expects that of all of us. So today, as we've been preparing for Back to Church Sunday, I've been telling our congregation that what I had in my heart for today was to just tell my story. And I, don't, I have a few notes, but I don't have a lot. I know my story. But I'm really just trusting God to bring up out of my heart the elements of my testimony that would bless you and bless those that are here today and speak specifically to whatever it is that you individually might want and, uh, and need to hear that would bless you. And I also want to say that uh, uh, I know that all of you, uh, you have a testimony, right? And uh, uh, your, your story is not any less important than mine. I just happen to have the privilege of getting the microphone today. And, uh, but I want you to know I, I celebrate everything that I've known and heard about what God has done in your life, where He's brought you from, what He's done for you. And uh, your testimony's worth telling, right? Even if you've, you know, especially, I, I shouldn't say even, if you've served God all your life, that is the best testimony. Some people say, I don't really have a testimony because I never got arrested or was drug addicted or went to jail. I've just lived righteously and holy and blessed all my life. Listen, that's the better testimony. Uh, amen. And a testimony that we should not diminish and that we need to hear. That's the best testimony. Amen. Uh, praise God. I, I want you to bear with me here. Uh, I want to read several verses out of Mark chapter 5 to lead up to one phrase. Uh, and that'll probably be about the only scripture we may read today. Uh, in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, and they, Jesus and his disciples, came over unto the other side of the sea, the, that's the Sea of Galilee, of course, into the country of the Gadarenes. Now, this is a, a pagan area. This is not a Hebrew area. It's not a Jewish area. And when he uh, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. So where did he spend his days and nights? At a graveyard. Yeah. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. Wow, that demonic, that demon power that had a hold of him gave him supernatural strength. He could break chains and fetters. 
and broke them in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. So there was enough will left, there's enough humanity left that that demon didn't have control over. Amen. That he was able to bring himself, and he recognized the supernatural nature of Jesus immediately, and he fell down and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that you torment me not. Now, this is the demon that's gotten a hold of the man's voice. You know, Hollywood didn't make this kind of stuff up. This is a real, real situation the Bible's telling us about. And then Jesus said in verse 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered and said, My name is Legion, for we are many. So there was more than one demonic power uh, that had taken this man over. And he besought him much that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there was near under the mountains a great herd of pigs or swine feeding, and all the devils. Now you understand there's, that's King James language. There's only one devil, but there are many demons. That would be the better word. And all the demons besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that they may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down uh, a steep place into the sea, and they were about two thousand, and they were choked or drowned in the sea. And they that fed the swine, they ran away, they fled, and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what was that, that which was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil or demon and had the legion sitting. And after Jesus got done with him, what, how did he find him? Sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Why? Because they, they knew. They had seen that this guy had a reputation. They knew this man. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the demon and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And they should have begged him to stay. <laughs> and when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed of the demon prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus allowed him or suffered him not, but saith unto him, here's what I wanted you to see, go home, tell your friends, tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and has had compassion on thee. And so the man departed and began to publish in Diacopolis uh, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Amen? And so one of the lessons we see in this story that uh, we should all go and tell. Right? We should go and tell our testimony of what God has done in our life should not be a secret or just something known only to you and your family. Your co-workers should know it. Right? A nugget here, a nugget there. A sentence here, a sentence there. A conversation here, a conversation there. But people should know over time that God has done something in your life. Jesus didn't tell the man, go and tell it if they want to hear it. He just said, go and tell it. And, uh, you know, a great revival and many came to the Lord because this man went and told his testimony. And so uh, the Lord dealt with me about that scripture this morning. And, and uh, I just want to take a few minutes with you and tell of the good things that God has done for me. And how that Jesus has had compassion on me. Now, I could, I could tell you about some dark things and spend 45 minutes, 30 minutes that we have left or whatever talking to you about sin. And, and I'll have to tell you a few things, right? Or you won't be able to appreciate, you know, where God has brought me from. But, from, but that's really not my intent, uh, is to just spend all the time talking about, oh, woe is me. Jesus said, go and tell of the good things. Go and tell of the good things. Amen. Uh, and how God has had compassion on me. So that is my focus today, is I want to share some stories with you about the good things that God has done in Chris Cody's life. Now, uh, praise God, don't get nervous, but I'll start at the beginning. You know, I was, uh, uh, I was born in 1972 on November the 27th. 
uh, to uh, Lee and Carolyn uh, Cody. Praise God, we were Tulsa residents. We actually lived in Claremore. We had a lot of relatives in Muskogee. Anybody ever heard that old country song? Amen. And so sometimes I, I adopt that, although it's not technically true, praise God. But we all had relatives in there. I spend enough time that I try to claim that for myself, you know, that I'm a, an Okie from Muskogee. But you'll just have to stay close enough. And, uh, you know, uh, when I think about my life uh, in so many respects, my life has been extraordinarily ordinary. I mean, I have lived an American life. You know, I was born to... Uh, middle upper middle class parents. My my mom and my dad were not spiritual people; uh, they were secular people. My dad came from a religious family, a Methodist family. Uh, my dad was from northern Kansas and uh, farmed and sat on a milk stool and uh, you know flew crop duster planes and graduated, went to the Navy and but uh, you know there was a lot of there was on my dad's side there was a lot of pattern of of wrong in in the family for generations. And I don't believe in generational curses, but the devil does work in patterns. Amen. And it's just easy to repeat, isn't it? What we see our you know, what our our dads often just did what they saw their their dad do. And that was very true in my my dad's life. You know, uh, my grandpa introduced pornography to his son uh when my dad was I think 10 or 12. And so, you know, that stuff is bad. That stuff will really twist your thinking and mar your thinking. And, and then, so, you know, uh, you know, that sort of the side of the family. We were partiers, womanizers, drinkers, you know, that, that kind of thing. And so that got down into, into my pattern for a long time. Uh, you know, my mom grew up in a very atheistic, secular home. Uh, I didn't really see it as a kid. You know, you idolize your granddads, your grandparents, and my, dad, my grandpa on my mom's side. Grew up in Tulsa. He put uh, three girls through college, uh, paid off a home, left $110,000 in the bank when he died in his mid-60s. And what did he do? He, he pumped gas and was an elementary school gas station attendant. Yeah. Jan- yeah, he was a custodian. I'm sorry. He was a custodian at an elementary school, and he pumped gas. You remember that? Back? That was a ways ago when they actually pumped your gas for you. And that's what my grandpa did. And he put three girls through college. But uh, later on, I could, I could look back and see the anger and the bitterness in my, in my mom's dad and my two aunts. So they all grew up very atheistic, very uh, hostile toward God. And uh, so any God bent that my dad might have had, uh, the influence my mom no doubt had when they got together, uh, we were not church-going people. Now, we were moral people. You know, my mom taught me to... You know, be nice and be sweet. And I got in trouble if I stole. And, uh, you know, I got in trouble if I lied. And, and, and those kind of things. But, you know, we just didn't... The Bible wasn't a part of our home. And we went to the lake. And, uh, you know, I just... I remember when I got to be about 12 years old. Uh, we had a wonderful home. And I remember this conscious thought of, of the good life that I had as a kid. I was conscious of it. Uh, we had five acres, wooded acres with ravines, and I mean, we, it, we just had a ball. We biked. We, we, were, we were American kids. Extraordinarily ordinary, right? And uh, praise God. But I had no idea about the, the problems going on behind the scenes yeah. and how, how broken my mom and dad's marriage was. And in their 14th year, uh, I have one brother, Ben. He's three years younger than I. And uh, we were, I have such fond memories of my mom and dad hanging out in the kitchen and after work, and they both worked full-time for Southwestern Bell, and, and uh, cooking and, and doing things in the kitchen. And, and mom just off the cuff one night said, hey, Ben, you and Chris, uh, you stick around after, uh, after dinner. Uh, and I know she regrets these words today, but I'll never forget them. She said, uh, your dad and I have a surprise for you. Mm-hmm. And so, come on, you know, as you're thinking about a surprise, I couldn't wait for dinner to be over. Yeah. You know, I thought, man, I'm getting me a new G.I. Joe or something today. And uh, so uh, we had dinner. We left the dishes at the table. And we had a little step-down den off the kitchen where the pool table was. My dad loved to play pool. And uh, we sat down on the floor. And my mom uh, proceeded to tell us how she didn't love our dad anymore. And uh, that on our next day we were going to go to Kansas to Grandma and Grandpa's, that Mom would not be going. And uh, that we would go with Dad and visit Grandma and Grandpa. When we came back, things would be different. Things would look different. Uh, she would have her own place, and that Ben and I would come and live with her. 
And uh, things were pretty ordinary for me. And I know that this is a common story, isn't it? Uh, you know, of, of American homes being broken. And it's important for you to understand, I don't, I don't blame my mom or dad. You know, when you find out later, you get to be an adult and you find out some of the details of what was going on. And you don't know the Lord. You just understand how a home breaks up like that. But I had no warning. It was just such a shock. And when you're a kid you, and you have security, and then you find out violently in a moment that everything that you just counted on as being normal, not being there anymore, uh, I don't remember being a normal kid again after that inside. Uh, it just broke me on the inside. I don't blame them for that, but I just, I just wasn't right anymore. I, I don't remember you know, having this big drive in me, even though I was just a sinner kid, I didn't have this drive in me to vandalize or, you know, disobey or act out. Uh, but I began to. Uh, I, I began to. And one of the things, looking back, I can see, maybe you could see something in your life that made you this way. I became deeply, deeply insecure. Just very insecure about uh, security. Uh, and... Uh, one of the things that uh, has had a very long lingering, it still gets me today, is the effect that not having my dad in my home, uh, how that affected me. Uh, how many of you maybe in that situation, you know, I, I had every two weeks with him, but uh, that's not what I was counting on growing up. Uh, my dad wasn't there. He didn't, he didn't teach me how to change a tire, or change the oil in my car, or shoot a gun. or he just, he just wasn't there, couldn't be. And uh, so anyway, I, I just went, and time went on. I got into my high school years. And uh, by then, again, for a lot of us, just extraordinarily ordinary. I went to a real... My, my mom had... Uh, well, let me tell you this. My mom, about a year after the divorce, she married a Vietnam uh, Marine war veteran who had been in the jungle and in some deep action. And she married this man. His name was Vic on the rebound. And... Uh, so he began to be a fixture in our home, and he was not right. He was not right. Now, I don't have any memories of him ever being physically violent with us, but he, he just was a strong, scary personality. I remember just uh, being a kid, walking up behind him one night. He was sitting there relaxing in the recliner, and I went, boo. And before he even knew what he was doing, he about had me killed in, a, in a, some sort of you know military, I'm going to get you kind of thing, and he caught himself before he harmed me, and then he grabbed me by the shoulders and the face and said, Chris, don't ever do that to me again, and of course, I, I never did. Well, that marriage didn't last long, uh, and uh, my mom had put him out and called the police one night, and we had uh, this house we had in the interior, all of our doors were solid, I mean, two-inch hardwood doors with dead bolts, and she'd locked it in. Of course, she saw, she saw him coming up the long driveway, and she'd already called the police, and uh, I don't know what she was thinking. She told me she handed me a steak knife, and put Ben and I in the bathroom, and, and said, "You know, stay there and defend yourself." And I'm like, "What? A, this is just the kind of experiences I, I began to to have in my life." And uh, just one shot, one swift kick, and that door went right off the hinges into the into the house. And uh, thankfully, my mom had gotten that call in quickly enough. The Sheriff's Department was right on his heels, and, and we, were, uh, we were set free. But we basically had to go into uh, almost hiding, if you will, uh, and, and protection and, and all that kind of thing for several years. And just, just does stuff to you, you know, growing up as a kid, life isn't normal anymore. And, but eventually, another year or so later, my mom married uh, my stepdad, Glenn, and uh, he's my dad number two. And he's still in my life today. And then my dad, a few years later, he got gloriously saved at a men's retreat, at a Methodist men's retreat called um, uh, The Walk to Emmaus, and had a dramatic encounter with God. And so, uh, you know, I, I began to have some stability. But when my mom married my stepdad, Glenn, we moved to, away from where I'd been going to school to a little country school south of Norman, uh, Oklahoma, where the Sooners are. Boomer, Sooner, amen. And... Uh, and uh, I showed up, new blood, new beginning, new marriage. Things were kind of looking up. And, uh, you know, I'm new meat. I mean, there's 34 kids in my high school class. Uh, you know, 34 of us. 
And, uh, and so when new meat showed up that was halfway decent looking, I mean, you were, you were it. So I was just instantly popular, you know. And, uh, but uh, so anyway, I had, I had a, a fairly, you know, I had a lot of good memories growing up in high school. But I, I committed a lot of sin. You know, I got me a, a fake ID, and, and we could drive through the country store window and get all the booze and beer we wanted and, and party. And I think, you know, I know my mom made some parenting mistakes. She said, well, son, I know you're going to drink. Just don't drive. Well, I just took that as, I mean, what would you do? Mom didn't say don't drink. She just said, I know you're going to. Just don't drive. Well, I just took that license, and I mean, I took her out there. Amen. And... Uh, uh, then she came in and said, I, I, I know you like girls, I know you're gonna, so here's some, here's some help, and, you know, and so God, God helped me, I just went and chased girls. And, uh, you know, the thing that, about sin, why sin is bad, number one, it's a violation of God's holy laws. Right? And the Bible says, one violation, lest you think you're so holy that you deserve to go to heaven, one sin damns the soul. That's how high God's standard is. But number two, and more important for us human beings, the reason sin is bad is because sin is bad. Sin does bad things to the ones who commit sin. Sin doesn't leave you where it finds you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of sin is death. The wages, it produces death. The penalty is death. But remember I said Wednesday night, if you were here, death is a category. Sickness, disease, depression, oppression, uh, poverty, lack, broken relationships. These all fit under the category of death. And listen to me, I found it out, I proved it out. The more you sin, the more you stubbornly pursue your own way, amen, the more death you're going to have. The more, you know, and I, over just a few years of what should have been the most fun, formidable years of my young life, I left a wake of physical, emotional, financial, and relational destruction behind me. I hurt people. I dishonored girlfriends. I, I hurt their families. I, I hurt my own family. I... I I, and then, you know, I just, I just did. And I was just so broken on the inside. And a lot of what was feeding that, when you're insecure, you're like a bottomless pit. Right? You're like a bottomless pit. And uh, you, you want to fill that pit with whatever you think is going to satisfy that. Well, I filled it with, I've tried to fill it with marijuana. I tried to fill it with partying. I tried to fill it with sex. I tried to fill it. But the big thing that I want, it goes all the way back to that brokenness in my, when my home broke apart. I tried to fill that void with relationships. I, wanted, I defined my worth by having somebody beside me. And I would just do anything to keep them beside me. Well, the one I really wanted to be beside me, by the time I got to a high school, to my high school years, after our graduation, she sat me down the day after, a few days after our graduation, and said uh, she wanted me out of her life, and, and, uh, and that was it. And so when you graduate high school from a small school, you know the bad part's almost over, okay? Just hang in there. <clears throat> The, uh, we scattered like the wind. I was popular. I had friends and deep connections. And, and, but when you graduate a small school like that, you just, you just scatter to the, to the breeze, to the four winds. And, and so I enrolled at OU. That was my dream. Now, OU's enrollment back then, I'm not sure what it is today, but OU's student enrollment in Norman, just 15 minutes from where I grew up, is greater than the city population of Paducah. That's how many students. So to go from 34 students in your high school class to a school that had 35, 40,000 students in it, upwards of that, you're in a sea of humanity. And did I feel lost? And now having just come off the... I was broken inside. I'm feeling all the effects of my sin. I've caused all this damage. And the one thing that, I, that was keeping me going secure that I'd kind of put my hopes in, she told me she didn't want me anymore. <laughs> kind of threw me to the curb. I don't blame her now. You know, I was the kid back then. You know, if I showed up in face life right now, I, I would be pumping my shotgun. That's the kind of guy I was. I, that, that's the kind of guy I was. I'd be meet, I would be meeting me on the front porch loaded for bear. <laughs> I was the one you guys 
you know, have nightmares about your daughters about, okay? That was just me. And uh, so, longer story short, I get into this sea of humanity. I am lost in every way a person could be lost. Now, my dad had been taking me to church every other Sunday for several years. And so I had been getting some truth. And I got saved. My friend had invited me to a Baptist youth camp we had in Oklahoma. And uh, I, I, I skipped out of every assembly. I didn't go to one of those things. I was there to chase girls and have fun. I didn't care anything about what that preacher had to say at night. And I, I, I played hooky from every service, but I got caught on the last day for the last service. And he said, I sat way in the back with him, and he made me sit there. And I don't remember what that preacher preached, but I was just so under conviction of the Holy Ghost that at the end, I got up out of my seat and I walked down. And that's really my first good memory of making Jesus my Lord. But then where did I go back home to? You know, uh, the flow of my home is secular, anti-God. And, uh, and full of sin. So anyway, I got into my sophomore year. And th- that first, my, my freshman year at OU, in the beginning of my sophomore year, I did about everything I could do to, destroy, to, to, to just self-destruct. I didn't care. I'd lost my purpose. I just, I just flat didn't care. Uh, I remember being at a frat party. They were recruiting me. We went down to Dallas for a weekend. And, uh, you know, we had a drinking game. And we filled up a uh, gallon empty milk jug full of 120-proof vodka, probably. And we were seeing ha- who could swallow the most. Well, I'm a Cody, and I don't quit, and I'm going to win if it kills me, and it almost did. I remember falling out, passing out about 20 swallows, you know, gulps of that stuff. You know, and I'm just telling you, has God been good to me? Yes. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 86, verse 13, For great is thy mercy toward me, you have delivered my soul from the lowest hell. I just, I just got to where I did not care. So anyway, I'm back and I'm still being recruited by this frat party. And now I have gotten so hopeless. <laughs> this is pathetic too, by the way. You know, you're a young man. you got your whole dreams ahead of you. Amen. And, but anyway, I, I was just hopeless and pathetic. And I found myself by myself. No real good relationships. Everybody seems like they're having a good time. I brought a big bottle of pills with me and I got me a long neck. And I found myself in a long, dark hallway at this frat party one night early in my sophomore year. And I'm crouched up against the wall, and I'm looking at this bottle of pills. Now, I don't want to impress you. It's not impressive. I don't think I, I didn't want to die. And I don't know that I'd have done it. But really what I was longing for that night, I didn't want to die, but I didn't have a reason to live. What is my reason to live? My whole reason to live was to, you know... Marry this chick and go on, whatever. But that, that wasn't to be. And, and so uh, here I am in this moment. And I found out that night, y'all, that God goes to frat parties. Did you all know that God goes to frat parties? God is everywhere. Where can I flee, the psalmist said, from your presence? Jonah found out in the belly of a well, God is there. Amen. And so picture me. Here I am, this pathetic thing. Everybody dancing, tardying, making out whatever they're doing. And here I am. And all of a sudden, like an audible voice, I heard God say this to me. He said, son, look at you. All this time, you've known enough about me. That all this time, all these steps you've taken, consciously you knew what you were doing has been wrong. And I did. I knew the difference between right and wrong. And my dad had taken me to church enough. I heard enough sermons to, to know what sin was. And so he said, you've gotten all the way down to this place. He said, so I tell you what. I am not going to deliver you from all your trouble and all your mess and fix all this for you in a moment. But this is what he said. He said, son... And I didn't see anything, but it was, Dakota, it was as audible like my ears shook. To me, if anyone would have been standing there, they'd have heard it too. I knew God was speaking to me. And he said, but son, if you'll take my hand. I didn't see a hand, but I might as well have. He said, son, if you'll take my hand, I'll lead you on from here. I'll lead you out from here. On back to the place where you once were. Now, when he said that phrase, I understood that to mean normal. Because I wasn't normal. It's not normal to self-destruct. 
You know, so many times I would come home, wake up, and ask my roommate, how did we get home? And they would go, he would go, you don't remember? I said, no, how did we get home? You drove. You know, I could be sitting in jail today, having killed some innocent soul out on the highway. But for God's mercy. Now, God's hand has been on my life all my life. His hand has been on my life for good. God didn't do any. He didn't break up my home. He didn't do all that. And so much after that, I did it to myself. That's what he said. But he said, son, if you'll take my hand, I'll lead you on from where you are now on to where you once were, which I understood as normal. And then this is what really captured me. He said, and then after that, on into the things that I have for you. Now, I'm so glad he was vague about it, because if he'd have said, preach, if he'd have said something like that, I might have just said, the bottle of pills sounds better than that. But, he, but that's what captured me, Sister Christine. He said, on into the things that I have for you. And that's what I needed to hear. He gave, that sounded better than dying. God, this pathetic mess of ordinary, overcome by sin and self-destruction. God has something for me. I didn't care what it was. In that moment, that sounded better, a lot better, than the life I had carved out for myself right then. So I reached out and I took that invisible hand, and I don't know how come I said it. I wasn't smart enough to say it. I wasn't certainly spiritual enough to say it. But by the grace of God, up out of my heart came these words, something like it. I said, Father, I promise you that from this moment, no matter what I have to do, no matter where I have to go, no matter who leaves me, no matter what it costs me, from this moment, I'm going all the way with you. I'm all in. And you know that, if I could just take a little stop here, that is where I see so many people, that's what they're missing. That, is, that moment, they never had that moment. They're still entertaining what they want. They want enough God not to go to hell. But they want, they want to retain control. They want to retain the right to direct their own life. And I don't know how come God was able to get that up out of my heart. But I made God a promise that night. 1993, early in the year, maybe late 1992, I said, God, no matter what I have to do, no matter what it costs me, no matter where I have to go, no matter who leaves me, I'm going to go all the way with you. And that is a promise that still motivates and fuels my life today. It is a living breeze. It's like I said those words to God yesterday. And I want to tell you, friend, wherever God finds you, amen, He found me drunk and suicidal at a frat party. He, fi- he, didn't fi- he finally got enough of my attention. Amen. That He has been faithful to lead me on from that. And He was true to His word. I, 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 did, I, didn't, I didn't leave that frat party holy. I left that frat party with a fresh decision. I still drank. I still went to clubs. I still did stuff I shouldn't. Amen. But instantly, the first thing that happened to me was God gave me an unquenchable thirst and desire for the Bible, for God's Word. Amen. And I picked up, my dad had given me, in 1988, my dad had given me a Bible. And he had signed it. And I picked up that Bible, and I began to read it. I'd come home drunk, and I would read it. <laughs> I would pick it up, and I would, I would drink and smoke and read it. Amen. And I read it, and I read it, and I could not get enough of the Bible. And slowly, ever so slowly, I began to get light. I I began to gain more of a desire. In church, I immediately began going to my church. I had a driver's license, and now I could go to my dad's church as much as I wanted. And so they had Sunday night, uh, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and Friday night singles. And I mean, just like an addicted person, I didn't. Oh, I just felt like if I could, I just hanging on a thread. But if I could make it to Sunday, and when I got to church on Sunday, everybody, come on, you ever feel like that? I hope so. When you come, you get motivated, you get inspired, you get fed, you get around other believers, and there's a strength that comes from that. And so, oh, but Sunday to Wednesday night, that just felt like an eternity to me. But if I could just get to Wednesday, and then if I went to Wednesday, Friday night, 
I'm there Friday night. It's just another day. And I got, I got some more juice. And then Saturday, I'd go to the club and party and sin. Amen. And chase girls, but I'd come to church on Sunday. Amen. And then uh, February, late March, I had begun to notice this girl in chemistry class. At a college chem... See, we've had chemistry from the beginning. <laughs> it's not a bad joke. They laughed at it. A dad joke, okay. And, uh, she, of course, don't listen to her testimony. She says, I stalked her all over campus. I did not. I noticed her. To me, there's a difference. Uh, girls do want to be noticed, don't you? Isn't that right? Oh, okay. But anyway, she says stalked. I said noticed. So, anyway, all semester, I had a buddy that I sat with in class. We sat way in the back. We're eager to get out. She's a nerd. She sat way down front. And she had a girlfriend that was went to, she'd come to class with. And, oh, man, she had beautiful hair. I mean, she'd stand at the mirror for 45 minutes and curl that brunette hair. Girl of shorter stature, small feet. I mean, my type. That's it right there. And uh, so she was sitting down there. And my friend just, oh, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to talk to her. I'm gonna, and he never did. Well, towards the end of the semester... Uh, amen. Uh, praise God. Uh, he skipped class. Well, he shouldn't have done that. Because I said to myself, he didn't going to ask her. He's never going to ask her. So I'm going to. So I worked up the courage to walk down there, and her girlfriend happened to not be there yet, at least. And so I walked up and I said, Is this seat taken? To which she promptly said, Yes. Because she had already told her mom about this jerk that keeps staring at her in class. I think she meant my friend, but anyway. <laughs> and uh, so I started to walk away, and she told me later, much later, that the Holy Ghost prompted her. And so she said, I'm just kidding. So I sat down. And we had a little, you know, small talk, and then the class began, and I didn't pay attention. I'm thinking about, should I work up the courage to ask her out? And... Uh, and so the class ended, and I, I worked at, So I said, what you doing Friday? To which she promptly said, working. <laughs> working. And that was it. I was like, well, she is letting me know. She's shut the door. And uh, so she paused, and I was about to sheepishly just back away and lick my wounds. And, uh, but she said much later, again, the Holy Ghost arrested her and said, tell him you get off Friday at 5. And see, she, she was born saved. Y'all know that. She was just holy from birth. And uh, praise God. She said she tried a cigarette once and skipped school one time, but that's about as bad as it got for her. And, uh, and so anyway, I go, oh. And so anyway, we went out. You had to go home and tell your mom, hey, remember that jerk I told you about in the class? He's going to pick me up Friday at 5. And uh, we had our first date March 23rd or 27th, 27th, 1993. And, uh, but you know, uh, let me just share with you a few things from that moment. It wasn't a, just an instant deliverance. But I'm, I'm trying. And God is moving me back toward normal. Amen. And I, I had a lot of mental battles. I had a lot of, I had a lot of junk. And God just... I don't have time. There's other things I want to tell you before I have to let you go, and it's already noon, um, that he did to get, help my, get my mind right. And, uh, but anyway, I wasn't qualified spiritually to date her, but God saw a future. He saw what I would become if I just stayed with it, and I was determined to stay with it. On our first date, Amber will tell you, uh, we, were, we didn't want the date to end, so I just had this harebrained idea, well, it's late, everything's closed. I got laundry at my mom's house. You want to go help me pick up my laundry? And so she met my mom on her first date, and uh, we folded laundry. And, uh, and on the way down there, the Holy Ghost said, this will be the one you marry. Now, of course, we didn't get married for almost four years later because God had a lot of work to do on me. Amen? But I tell you, God's been faithful to my, to my life. In all of these years, God began to repair my mind. He began to fix me on the inside. And as I was just faithful to apply the Word of God to my life, to just endeavor to claw and scratch and read the Bible and do the Bible, read the Bible, do the Bible. 
and change, let the Bible change the way I think, God began to transform my life. And at some point, I became normal. I became what God always intended a person to be. I got back to that point, and then God began to deal with me about ministry. Amen? Just a couple of, just take a few minutes, just a couple of quick things, of supernatural things that God has been good in my life. When I was 15 and a half, in my rebellious nature, I called up my mom and I said, Hey, uh, Brian, the neighbor boy, he's got his driver's license, and we want to go to the football practice. It's small town, tight-knit, everybody hangs out, watches football practice. Can I go? To which my mom said, No, stay home. To which I promptly said, Brian, we have to be back by 530. <laughs> Amen, to beat my mom home. So we jumped in his new little car, like a little brand new like little Ford Escort thing, and we took off to practice. Well, we stayed too long. And mom's going to be home, 5.30, she's going to be home. So, Brian, we got to go. We jumped in the car. We didn't put seatbelts on. We took a shortcut. And uh, so we were racing home, and this shortcut uh, meant, you know, a few miles of gravel dirt road. And uh, so he's driving too fast. He's an inexperienced driver, and all of a sudden he begins to fishtail on some loose gravel that had built up in this place in the road. And, And he did good for a moment. Got us down from about, I would say, 65 to about 50, 55 before he overcorrected and we went headfirst into the ditch. And when the nose of the car hit that ditch at 50 miles an hour and you're sitting in the front seat with no seat belt on, what happens to you? Well, that car becomes a catapult and sure enough, Brian and I both just began to come right out of our seat and, you know, you go to hell for lying. An invisible force, an invisible hand, I felt every finger of this hand uh, hit me in the chest and pushed me right back in the chair. The car flipped four times. I never left the chair. Brian and I both walked away. And there was such a peace, that angel, that that angel brought in that moment of deliverance. We, we, when the car came to a rest on all four flat tires after flipping four times, we were both laughing. And God in His mercy, when I was running from Him and acting a fool, For whatever reasons, thank God, He had His angel save my life that day. God, just His hand of protection has been on my life. And you know, Psalm 91, yes, you should read it today. The angels will protect your life. Uh, Amen, if you have faith in them. You know, I've also learned over the years that God has been such a faithful healer in my life and in my family. I remember one time after I had moved here where I noticed a cyst or a lump. I think the first one I noticed came up on my arm. And then for about 14 days, every day I found a new cyst. So I began to have multiple cysts and they would appear upon my abdomen. And both of my grandparents died of cancer. My granddad's horrible deaths. And so the enemy had been telling me, I didn't know it was the enemy, but I would be bombarded in my youth with this thought, I'm going to kill you with cancer. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you with cancer. And I didn't know how to handle that thought spiritually. And you can. I, I just have to stay around. I'll teach you that. But anyway, so when these things came up, you, you, the devil just climbed all, all over that. Well, when I got to, I don't remember, I'm going to say 15 to 20 of these cysts, I decided I better go to the doctor. And uh, so I had gone to the doctor, and he began to take an MRI. And he said, well, just go to lunch and I'll come back. And uh, between lunch and then, I had, been, I had been meditating on healing scriptures. And uh, praise God. And, uh, but somewhere between in that lunch break, I moved over into faith. I just moved over into faith. And, uh, but anyway, I, I, so I just got into faith and I kind of knew I had it at that point. Standing on the word, standing on the word. And, uh, but I didn't want to dishonor the doctor, so I went ahead and went back. And uh, so when he, he came back to re-examine me and, and tell me the results, uh, he couldn't find a trace of any of the tumors that had, that had been the cysts on my body. In less than an hour's time, they'd all disappeared. He said, well, somebody up there likes you. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you about God's goodness. You know, another time we were over at uh, building this building, but we hadn't got here yet. We were meeting at uh, the Concord location and. I hadn't injured myself. I, I didn't do anything, but all of a sudden I began to have a burning, sharp, stabbing, nerve-like type, type pain in my lower leg all the way down my shin, and it would get up into my uh, thigh. 
and it just got worse and worse and worse and worse till finally I went to the doctor and he said, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. We're going to have to run a, a, a bunch of tests. But he gave me some really boots of honey kicking narcotic medicine to knock that pain out. And uh, it got so bad that I, I couldn't put any weight on it at all. So for, uh, I don't know, how long was I on those crutches? A couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Y'all remember me preaching? I put the trucks, the, you know, but uh, the crutches away and, and would hobble out to my pulpit. But I couldn't tell the difference between the anointing and the drugs. <laughs> so I would walk out going, whoo, I am anointed tonight, tonight. Wow, we're going to have us a barn burner of a Holy Ghost service. I couldn't tell if it was the anointing or the drugs. And uh, so x-rays didn't show anything, sent me to a bone specialist. I went to him, paid him $1,200 to uh, take extra special pictures of my leg. He kept me there for hours, and, and this is what he said to me. He said, yeah, there's something wrong. It's all lit up and inflamed, but you're the mystery. I, I don't know what it is. I can't tell what it is. So I paid $1,200 for a guy to tell me I can't tell. Something's wrong with you, but I can't tell what it is. So he sent me to Lourdes Hospital, uh, and they were going to give me one of those nuclear-tied tests. You know, they inject you with nuclear. That didn't sound something. New, he called nuclear isotopes. Maybe a nurse knows what that is. They inject that in you, and it lights up all your bones. And then they're going to put you in this machine and get an even better picture, and that's going to cost me $1,500. So sitting there at the Lourdes Emergency Room... I got over into faith. Well, I don't know. No, I didn't get in. Let me, let me go back. I, what I decided was, I don't want to do this. I don't want them to inject me with this stuff. And the odds are they're just going to tell me, yeah, something's wrong, but we don't know what it is. And I didn't want to pay $1,500 more for a doctor to say, yeah, something's wrong with you, but we don't know what it is. So I went to the desk and I said, listen, you can scratch me off that list. I'm not... Sorry, but I'm just not taking that test. Okay, mark me off. They had plenty of patience. And so I went home. For two weeks, I had my Bible out, turned the TV off. I got all my healing books out, my Bible out, uh, took my drugs, and, and I laid there and fed on the Word. Fed on the Word, fed on the Word, fed on the Word. Well, uh, we went to, day came, we were going to go look at a horse that we ended up buying for faith. And uh, had to drive to Louis. And it was, you know, cold out and all that. Well, I swung my bed off the, we were getting ready to go, and I swung my leg off the thing, and faith, faith comes by hearing. I'd been feeding on faith. And faith just rose up in my heart. And this is what I said to the Lord. I said, Father, if you didn't want me to expect you to heal me right now, you should not have written it down where I could read it. Because for two weeks, that's what I've been reading, His healing promises. And don't get mad at me. This is just what I told the Lord. This is the way it came out of my heart. This is what you're going to do. I'm not taking the crutches. I'm not taking any more pain medication. I'm going to stand up on this bed, and you're going to heal me. So I got myself to a standing position, and I took that first step, and it hurt like the dickens. But I wasn't moved, and I took another step, and it hurt a little less, and I took about four or five steps, and all that pain left. Amen. It left, never has come back, never is going to come back. Hallelujah. Amen. Maybe I'm not telling it very good. Praise God. Man, I'm just, I'm just telling you, whether it's my testimony, my story, as we get ready to close here, God, I found out that you could do everything you could do to self-destruct and destroy your life. And God's not moved by it all. He loves you still. He loves you the same. Amen. And if you will do something like I did, turn to Him. That's what the word repent means. It means to change your mind and to change your direction. And from that, not, that night at that front party, I changed my mind and I changed my direction. And I have been going hard after God since 1993, 19, late 1992. And I'm telling you what, God brought me a gem of a lady. That lady right there is my 100-fold return on whatever I gave up. Amen. Been a faithful, loving, best friend, wife, mother to my children, partner in ministry. Just a dream team from heaven. God's given me uh, three great children, all healthy, love God, serve God, work with me in the ministry. Amen. Amen.
When I've needed healing, He's healed me. Amen. When I've needed comfort, He's comforted me. When I've tried to get discouraged and quit, He wouldn't let me. When I made more mistakes, He forgave me. Amen. Time would fail me to tell you of all the times He's brought money into my life, prosperity into my life. He's still doing it. Amen. I'm just telling you, friends, God is a good God. He's a good God. I said He's a good God. And He does good things. And any of the bad, either the devil did it, or you did it, or you and the devil did it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. God never killed any of your loved ones. He doesn't do that kind of thing. Amen. Praise God. And I just tell you, I don't know where you are with God today. I don't know what kind of dark hole you might find yourself in. Amen. But if you will look to Him, if you will take His hand, if you'll read His Word, He will, he will make Himself known to you. He will make Himself real to you. And your sins have already been paid for. Jesus already bled. He already died. He already decided before you ever took your first breath that He wanted you. For a lot of years, my life was very ordinary. Extraordinarily ordinary. Amen? I'm nothing special. But I gave my life to Him. I've not traveled around the world, but I'm on my way. 2019, I put... These hands, along with Reverend Kamel there, on a blind man's hands. And in less than 30 seconds, a blind man was instantly restored to sight. Right here in these altars, these, these, these just natural hands, laid hands on the sick. Right there, Sister Jennifer instantly healed of shingles. How many others have been healed in our ministry? Praise God over the years. Cancer patients. I don't take any of the credit. Those, those vague, tricky little words. He hoodwinked me into it. He said, I have something for you. You know, he had to be laughing all the way about that. I didn't see ministry. I didn't see Paducah. I didn't see this. I didn't see this. <laughs> but I'm glad to do it. And every one of you Christians, you ought, whatever God would ask you to do, you ought to be glad to do it. When he said, son, I'm not making you, but it is my perfect will. I've created this opportunity. There's a people I want you to pastor. Well, who am I? See, I didn't forget where I came from. The, the pathetic mess he, he made me. And anyone that struggles against the will of God for their life, you're not really too grateful. Just to say that boldly. Amen. About the wonderful things that he's done in your life. He's a good God. And we should serve Him with all we are. With all of our heart. And we should do our utmost to tell the other Chris Cody's that are hiding out in the dark hallways of life that God loves them. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me today? All of our journeys are different. All of our stories are precious and unique. Maybe there's something in there that the Holy Spirit jumped on and ministered to your heart today or blessed you or encouraged you. But I want to specifically speak to those who have never made Jesus the Lord of their life. They've never surrendered their life to Him. Or they have at one time, but they're not walking in fellowship with Him today. Just like me, you know, I I got saved and thank God at that Baptist youth camp, but I went home and lived lived like I didn't know Him for several more years. I was out of fellowship with God. But that night at that frat party, I gave my life back to Him. I rededicated myself. It's been a wonderful journey since then. I want to give you an opportunity today, right where you're sitting, praise God. Would you like to make a decision for Jesus? What He's done for me, He'll do for you and more. And uh, so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would like to give your life to Jesus... And let today be the day where you leave here uh, head in a different direction than maybe the direction you were coming when you came. Every head's bowed, every eye closed. Just a private moment between you and God and your 
the pastor here. Would you raise your hand up? Say, Pastor, I want to be led in prayer. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Somewhere over here. Yep, I see your hand. Somebody else, don't be shy about it. You can put your hand down. Glory to God if, you, if I've acknowledged it. Yep, I see you, brother, in the back. Thank you. Yep, I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you, sweetheart, right here in the middle. Yep. Praise God. Anybody else? Uh, this, is that, was that you, young lady? Yeah. Praise God. Amen. Right over there. Yeah, on the far wing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just got to have that moment like I did. It's, don't, you don't have to get that low. I, I shouldn't have let myself get that low. He told me. You, you've been, you, you knew what you were doing the whole time. Ah, but God and His goodness, He can undo all the negative effects of sin and death. God has something for all of us. I don't want to leave anybody out. If you're watching out there online, got people all over this auditorium making decisions for the Lord. Anybody out there online, you want to make a decision for the Lord. I see you, son. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, praise God. Anybody else? Wouldn't it be great? We had 100%. We all walk out of here in right fellowship with God. <laughs> Amen. Don't be the one holdout. We just want to give you plenty of time. Plenty of time to make a decision for the Lord. Hallelujah. I see you, son. Rededicating your life, I know. Praise God. You already belong to Jesus, but you're rededicating your life. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Praise God. I'm being patient on purpose. Y'all be patient with me. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. I see your hand, sweetheart. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. You know, Kama was telling us this. You keep, stay in that attitude of prayer. The statistics about, you know, the older we get. It's less likely that someone... Why? Because they're, they feel like they're setting their ways. Listen. doesn't matter how old you, you are. Amen? It's not too late. Never be too late to be born again. If you're relying on your integrity, your morality, it's not going to be enough. God's got an infinitely high standard. One sin damns the soul, the good book says. No, you must be born again. I'm almost ready to pray with folks, so... Praise God. If you want to be included in this prayer, you haven't raised your hand, go ahead and raise your hand. Hallelujah. 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 Well, I want to invite everybody to, uh, to go ahead and stand to your feet. And uh, if you raise your hand, don't think about it. Come join me right here. Quick. Just come join me right here. Hallelujah. Come join me in the front if you raise your hands. Praise God. You could just stand in front of me, face, face the stage. Yeah. Awesome. Praise God. Thank you so much for responding to the Lord. I'm so excited for you. God bless you. Thanks for responding. God bless you. Thanks for responding. God bless you today. Hallelujah. Anybody else? You're rededicating your life. I saw you. It's okay. Praise God. Come down here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I, I just wanted today to, to have you in front of me as I prayed for you. Congregation, just bow your heads and I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer. And uh, The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you would be saved. Saved from sin, saved from Satan, saved from death, saved from hell, saved from all the penalty. You'll be born again. The Holy Spirit will make His home in you and you become a member of His family. And uh, I'm so excited about that. So you just repeat the words I lead you in. Loud enough your own ears can hear them. Let your heart agree. God's going to do a miracle in your life right now. Congregation, you join along with us. Say, Father, I've taken this step of faith. Because I recognize I need to go a different direction. I need to live a different way. I repent and I take full responsibility for all my sins, for everything I did wrong. 
with all that I am, I ask you to forgive me. Let the blood of Jesus wash me clean. I believe with my heart that Jesus took my place in death and punishment on the cross. When He died, He died for me. He was buried three days later. God, You raised Him from the dead. Proving that He is who He claimed to be. Jesus, I give my life to You. You're my Lord and my Savior. The good thing You have for me, I say yes to it. I want it. And like Pastor Chris said today, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, from this moment, I'm going all the way with you. I'm going all the way with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Isn't that great? Hallelujah. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, that's what happened to you. Praise God. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have been made new in your life. I have a gift for you. Stay right there. I, I wanted to let you go home with a couple of resources. And if I don't have enough here, the ushers have gotten some more. And uh, praise God. These are just uh, some resources about what it means to be a Christian. What are some good steps uh, to go? It's, it's real simple stuff. Uh, that blue book is one that I read or that I wrote about what it means Sorry, to be filled. I need... Uh, Need, here's new life. That's the same thing as this one. And I need more of my uh, what it means to be spirit-filled book. We'll get those to you. No, I'm good. Thank you, Rex. And uh, praise God. God's plan's going to begin to unfold in your life in a new way. Now, I encourage you, if you don't like this church, that's okay. But find you one you like. Find you one you like with a real pastor. And get, your, get yourself a Bible. Download one to your phone. We'll give you one if you need one. And get over like in the Gospel of John or the book of Ephesians. Get over in the New Testament. And just start reading. And just start beginning to do what you read. And stay around. You also need to get baptized in water. But anyway, we'll contact you. We'll talk to you about that kind of thing. But I want you to know that I am here for you guys. I'm here every Sunday, every Wednesday. I'm here Thursday evenings for mentoring. And I'm here all week long if you want to wander into the building. And I am at your service. Amen. Anything I can do to help you in your walk, your journey, and any of these people, come on, isn't that right? I mean, there's a family here to be part of if you'd like to be part of a family. But before I let you go back to your seat, I just want to lay my hand on you and bless you. Is that okay? Congregation, put your hand toward them in prayer. Father, just bless her right now real good. Fill her with the Holy Ghost. Any, any habit that they need to just extra help having broke off of their life, be blessed, son, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for moving in their life in a strong way. Thank you for the grace, Father God, on her life. Bless her, Father. God, any bonds, chains, bad habits, hindrances, let them be broken away. They'll go and they'll leave here going, wow, I'm free, I'm free. <laughs> Glory to God from anything that would slow them down. In Jesus' name, be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed and filled in the name of Jesus with new strength, new vitality. Glory to God. Bless them all with fresh vision. Speak to them about what you have for them in life. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Let every hindrance, let every bad habit just be broken off right now. Uh, I just speak death and freedom to every addiction. Uh, glory to God. You know, a strong habit, that's an addiction. That, that They would just leave this place free from that. In the name of Jesus. Be blessed, son, in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Bless Him, Father God, in every way He needs to be blessed. Glory to God. Let their lives forevermore be marked with Your goodness and Your presence. In the name of Jesus, bless Him, Father. Bless Him. Empower Him to prosper. Cause things to go well. I thank You, Father, You're moving in a new way. Fixing plot problems. Straighten out their road and path. And that, God, the, the future they have, we know it's good. And we know it's bright. And we thank You for it in the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Listen, everyone, before I let you go back to your seat, I'm going to ask you that all of you would do me a solid. Would you do me a solid? In this New Life book or in this, in this book here, like this, this book right there, there's, there's a response card. Put your name in a way I could contact you on there. And, and give it to somebody before you leave. Give it to an usher, give it to me, give it to Sister Arlene. I want to be able to follow up with you and make myself available to you, okay? Nobody's going to chase you down but me. Uh, amen. And I'm on your side. And I'll talk to you about, spiritually, what the next steps are. You want to keep moving. Keep the momentum of what God's doing. Remember, the first thing I did, I wasn't all fixed in my mind and stuff. I was fixed inside. But I immediately began to read my Bible. And church was my lifeline. So don't forget that part of my testimony. Amen. So you do me that solid. You're going to give me your word. You'll do that before you go eat lunch or whatever today. Amen. Well, okay. Let's celebrate while they go back to their seats, all right? Praise God. God bless you. Love you a lot. Here for you. Amen. Come on, WHC. I think we can do better. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, the shirts we're wearing, they say, Canceled for Christ. Amen. If you get persecuted, made fun of because you're a Christian, hey, listen, don't forget, in Jesus all your sins got canceled by Christ. So stand for the one who stood for you. Stand for the one and be, be unashamed for the one who stood with you when it mattered the most. Amen? Hey, well, God bless you today. Thank you. I know we went a little longer today, but look, I'm the fruit of it. Nobody's sorry. And uh, we hope you have a favor at the restaurant. Praise God and all that good stuff. Listen, I urge uh, all to come back at 3 o'clock that can. We're going to be praying. And we have a special someone that is in a fight that needs our prayers. It's in our camp, not our, not our local church. And I'm going to dedicate that hour to prayer and intercession for this one need. Amen. Amen. And so if you want to take part in that, we encourage you to do so. Otherwise, God bless you. And I'll be hanging around. We'd love to shake hands. Visitors, thank you so much for coming. Come back. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.